0: Hello and welcome to another episode of The Jimmy Rec Show. Today on the podcast, I have Elias uh, Amish, and he is a good friend of mine, somebody that I uh, wanted to introduce my audience to. He's somebody that I got to know actually through this podcast, and we've become close friends over the last couple of years. Uh, he's uh, a man that texts me every morning when I wake up sometimes and just sends me positive messages, and it's something I've really grown to appreciate. He's written over five books, including uh, his latest book uh, The Retail Advantage, How to Win the War with Amazon, and he is also the author of uh, Retail Survival, Who Lives, Who Dies, and Why. And The reason why he is so accomplished to be able to talk about these things uh, is because he has a uh, company that he has owned now for over 25 years called Grip. It is a tools company, and so anything you're looking for that has to do with hand tools, he is your guy. But uh, this was a fun podcast for me, something that I was happy to bring to my audience. So, without further ado, let's get to the episode with Mr. Elias Amish. Well, it's funny, I, about a I don't know, I guess it's been about a year and a half now, but maybe a year ago, year and a half ago, I get this package and it arrives to my house. It's like four boxes, the size of a desk. And I'm like, what is this? And I open it up and it was every possible power tool, tool, anything you could ever need as a man. And uh, and I'm like, what, where did the, all this come from? It was this company Grip. And I'm like, who is this guy? And that was my introduction to you, man. And I was like, what a cool person. You wrote me a nice note, how my podcast had helped you out. And I was just like, wow, like I need to get to know this guy. And so it was kind of a, a cool start to what's become a really fun relationship, friendship for us.
1: It's been an honor and a privilege to meet you, Jimmy. And my boys had heard about you on social media, and I felt compelled to reach out. We get your daily motivations all the time, and they've been making a huge difference in my kids' lives. So that's why I sent you that package. as a little token of gratitude. You've done so much for so many people, and I just want to do something nice for you.
0: No, it's and it's so welcome. You know, I, I, it meant a lot to me. And what means a lot is hearing, like, because when you're doing, you know, you do these podcasts and you do the daily motivations. I mean, those daily motivations, I put out 260 of them, and a lot of people don't even know about it still. I probably need to share it more. But it's, you know, JimmyDaily.com, by the way, if you're listening to this. But essentially, I thought to myself, I was like, what could I do to just give, right? Like something I could just. I have all this knowledge and wisdom, and people I get to be around, lessons I've learned over the years, and I'm like, how can I give back and i said you know what i'm gonna do a daily motivational video it just goes to your email every day and man i had to end up filming about 260 of them uh, over the course of a year and so that's that what that is now and so it's it just it's really cool for me to hear like that your boys uh, how old are they 14 10? Uh, 15 and 13 15 and 13. that they found yeah. those and that they you know that it's helping them that's really cool for me
1: you're helping so many people that little daily motivational video. I think people look forward to that in their inbox every single day. And I love how you do it for the right reasons. You know, you're trying to make a difference. I try to make a difference. And that's what the world's all about. Anybody can make a buck, but it's tough to make a difference. Keep doing what you're doing, Jimmy.
0: No, I appreciate it, man. Well, let's get into your story a little bit. I mean, I I think, you know, you, one thing I know about you and one thing that's been kind of fun is you'll send me a lot of motivational quotes or stories, um, text them to me all the time. And Um, I used to joke around, you know, my last girlfriend, she'd be like, who's this person always texting you? Every morning you wake up, there's like a text from this random person. (laughs) She probably thought it was some other woman or something, but I was like, that was my buddy, Elias. He's in Michigan and he's just, he's just making sure we have a smile on our face to start the day. But, um, you've written a couple books. I know, um, 50 life lessons is one that you gave to me and 50 most important life lessons. Yes. Um and it's cool. there's just a nice little read, but just there's a lot of wisdom there. so I want to get into your story a little bit of kind of how you got to where you uh, you are today.
1: Sure. well, I was born and raised in Grand Rapids, Michigan. I went to uh, regular high school, public high school I went to Michigan State and um, I've been running my father's business for about thirty years now and uh, just really blessed beyond and I'm not sure exactly what your listeners are looking for, but
0: well, let's let's talk about maybe your because your dad was an immigrant, right? Yeah, my dad. And so came, how did he end up yeah, here in the in the sure, country? Sure, they
1: came here in the fifties. His family was sponsored by a Christian family. They came to Muskegon, Michigan, and uh, they came here with nothing. They were eating out of garbage cans. They lived the American dream and. That's what we're trying to do is keep the American dream going right now. It's a tumultuous world out there, but uh, we know what it's like to be poor. We know what it's like not to have any money, and uh, we're just trying to live the American dream.
0: And so your dad, you know, I mean, I think there's – I've had a couple other guests on that talked about, um, you know, their immigrant parents coming to the United States yes. and how much freedom means to them, how much the country yes. means to them, how much America stands up to the world as a symbol of what's possible of in a world of true – you know, uh, oppression outside of the United States in many, many places, um, it's something worth fighting for. And it's why I've been doing a lot of my podcasts I have recently, bringing some of these people on that are talking about the importance of maintaining, you know, the freedoms that we have. It's not a perfect system. It's not a perfect country, but it's the most perfect. It's the best that we have. And it's, time has proven that it works when it's left alone, um, it does. And so for your dad, you know, when he got here, I mean, I guess you got to see firsthand him build up, this empire of a business and and kind of why that's such an important thing for you.
1: So he started door to door salesman, kind of like your story. Went door to door, (laughs) selling watches, got beat up many, many times, went to some bad neighborhoods, but he persevered. The American dream is real and it needs to continue. Right now, I feel like we're in a country that is very divided, very torn. And the only way out of this is the truth we need more truth. One thing I love about your podcast, Jimmy, is you're always speaking truth and try to let people know what's really going on out there. And one of my mantras about the truth is I always say the truth is a bitter pill to swallow, but it tastes better than bullshit. I don't like bullshit. You don't like bullshit. We need people to come out and Tell people what's really going on out there, and that this is the greatest country in the world, and we need to stand for freedom. Because if we don't stand for freedom, it's going to be communism. This is very binary; it's either A or B. So right now, it's a very important time in the world.
0: Yeah. So for your dad, what did he what did he see? I mean, he came over here. I mean, again, to start with nothing, he's selling watches. Yeah. Um, what was what was he like as a father for you? Like, because I, yeah. I I think you know, obviously he instilled in you some things and you, you now run the business. Yeah. So
1: he, he worked a lot. He led by example, what every great leader does, they lead by example. He was gone a lot. He worked a lot and he was gone, but he still taught me some great life lessons. And some of the stuff he taught me, I put in those books that I wrote. And I wrote those books to give back. I don't make money off books. You don't make money off books. No one makes money off books, right. unless you're some famous author. But generally speaking, I tried to write these books to give lessons to my kids and to help others, like people like this country's been so good to us. And we just want to make sure we keep the tradition going.
0: Well, so your latest book that you're coming out with uh, is kind of talks about the 10 life lessons. Yes. What's it? What's the name of it?
1: the 10 most important things you need to know that you don't learn in school basically gotcha yeah yeah
0: no that's cool and uh, you know i've had i've talked to some other guest prince ea for example that was on my show about a year ago he um started you know a youtube channel and kind of a course for things you don't learn in college and then i had another guest on um that talked about things you don't learn in college it is interesting the things they teach us versus the things they don't, right?
1: Super super interesting, Jimmy. I'm glad you brought that up. They teach us about Romeo and Juliet and the quadratic equation, but they don't teach us about financial literacy. They don't teach us about negotiation. They don't teach us about relationships, all these things. They don't teach us about health. Why don't they teach us about these things? I always wondered that to myself. So I said, I've got to come up with something that I can educate people that Are the younger generation, especially the younger generation, because many of them are very entitled. They need to learn about sales and negotiation and all these important lessons.
0: Well, it's cool. And you talk about all those things that you just mentioned are the 10 most important things you need to learn. One of which, you know, I mean, just to start with, for example, health. When I was younger, I mean, growing up, I got. I was pretty into it in high school. Like my friends would make fun of me because I knew how many calories everything had. I knew how much fat everything had. Right? You know what I never looked at was how much sugar everything had. To me, it was all about fat because. And you'd see reduced fat Oreos, and it was like, oh, that's a healthier Oreo, right? Like, there was no actual education because anybody that actually studies, you know, m- macro nutrients and all that kind of stuff knows that what really matters um, has nothing to do with the fat. It's the sugar and the carbs and everything else. As far as, but it's. They teach us, like, remember, that you talk about this in your book. I, I skimmed through it, and um, uh, the food pyramid. Yeah, I mean, what a scam The biggest that thing scam was. ever.
1: That's why they call it SAD, Standard American Diet. But it sure would be called SAD because it's really sad. And, I mean, the first thing about health is your health is your wealth. Without your health, you have nothing. I mean, that supersedes all. The sick man has only one dream. The healthy man has a million dreams. <laughs> it's true. Without, without your health, you can't pour from an empty cup. You can't help anybody until you help yourself first. So I really believe that if you don't take care of your health now, you're going to have to pay for it later. It's either the pay me now, pay me later. So the people that invest time and energy into nutrition and health now will not have to worry about sickness and disease later. That's what I really believe.
0: Well, and the thing that stood out to me about it in the book and that, you know, just as I've kind of talked to more people is... I think most people would prefer to be healthy. Most people would prefer to look good, right? Yet we're in a country where 70% of the people are overweight, 40% are morbidly obese in the United States. It's the fattest country in the history of civilization, of any civilization that's ever lived. And I think a lot of that is just goes back to misinformation like when i was in college like this was in college i remember having macaroni and cheese and granola bars and thinking it was healthy i swear to god like i thought that was healthy because i didn't know any different like that was getting my wheat in i was getting my breads in you (laughs) know, and i would have orange juice to down it right and like probably like the most unhealthy breakfast you can have or meal you can have and so I started to understand like as I got older I started to hire people I hired a nutritionist I hired uh, a personal trainer I started learning all these things and my mind was blown and I watched my body transform I you know I'm about to turn 40 and I'm literally in the best shape I've ever been in and it's two reasons like I've known for the last five or six years now, like what you need to do to be healthy. Um, it's only to the last, you know, this part where I've been getting in shape right now, where I've had the discipline to do it. But the knowing is about half the battle. It and is. I think it kind of goes back to a bigger issue where we have this problem right now, where this distrust like where do people go for trust? You don't trust the media. Nobody does, right? That's, no. I mean, fifteen percent of people polled actually trust the media. Eighty-five percent do not, and I don't even know who those fifteen percent are. Um, nobody trusts politicians, and that's the thing. Like we can see, like we can see how they line their own pockets with their own investments. How they get into office with no money, and all of a sudden they're all multi, multi, multi millionaires. We can see how the food pyramid. Just to go back to that, um, I remember when Michelle Obama. There's a really good documentary that talks about this. When Michelle Obama got into office. To her credit, she was like, hey, we're going to change this obesity thing. And she started going after the food people, right? And she started talking about it for about a month or two. And then all of a sudden, there was this radical change and she quit talking completely about food. Everything she started talking about was about actual exercise. Mm -hmm. And exercise, anybody that knows... You know, macronutrients. Anybody that knows nutrition knows that only about ten percent of it is your exercise. Honestly, you cannot exercise, and if you eat right, you're going to be healthy. Um, but what happened is she got compromised. She got in there, and all of a sudden, and it's sad because she wanted to make a difference. But you know, because she more than wanted to make a difference, she wanted to keep her people happy, whoever they are, like the the big money, you know, food t- and all those people. And so she kind of sold herself out and it was at the detriment of all these kids. And now it's gotten worse since they got in office. It's much worse even than when the 2008, when they started. And so it goes back to that and it's like, wow, like, you know, these politicians don't have our best interest in mind. No. Um, and so, it, it, kind of like right now you hear, you know, there's this huge debate over, should I get the vaccine? Should I not? And the government is pushing this so hard. And you're like, look, you guys lied to us about everything. You lied to us about the food pyramid. Yes. You lied to us about, you know, um, exercise versus food and diet. Well, Michelle Obama, when she got in and the whole thing, I'm like, you don't have our best interest in mind. And then you look at, you know, follow the money trail and you're like, Pfizer's (laughs) just printing money. Billions. Getting so much for it. And it's like, and and you start to look at it all and you're like, it's no wonder, like whether you're pro-vaccine or anti, it's pretty easy to see why people distrust the government trying to push it.
1: 100%. Well, first of all, I really think your health is something you have to be accountable for. We can't depend on the government. We can't depend on anything. We have to depend on ourselves. There's so many people that want to outsource their thinking and they want to get... A quick answer. We live in this microwave society where people want quick, easy, fast, and now. Well, it doesn't work like that. Your health is something that you must invest in every day. It's some. It's not easy, and no one ever said it's supposed it's easy. It's kind of like in the movie that you talked about, the Major League movie. It's supposed to be hard, right? That's mm. that's where it's that's the hard is what makes it great. So you can't depend on anybody. You got to depend on yourself. And why don't they teach us this stuff? Why? I just wonder that question. Well, that's
0: where it goes to like, I don't like to feel like a conspiracy theorist, but I'm like, it feels intentional.
1: I agree with you. Whether I'm right or wrong about this, I'm like,
0: I'm at least willing to look at this and go, can we at least question stuff? Because if we want to talk about science, science is all about questioning. Like that's all you're supposed to do is question, question, question. Like the smartest scientist in the world 500 years ago would look like a dumbass today with his information, right? Like we have to question things. You have to get new knowledge, new information. And there's this new push right now that it's like following the science means not questioning. And it's just it's for me, it's infuriating because I'm looking at this and I'm like, I know what happens when I listen. And you said something very important. Like people just want to outsource it. It's kind of a lazy way to go about it. It is. You know, like I know for me, the hardest thing I've ever done. And I'll never get credit for this. I don't need credit for this. But the hardest thing I ever did was question the religion I was born into. Um, For 31 years, that's all I believed. I was 100% in. And the hardest thing I ever did, like I said, I will never get credit for the hardest thing I ever accomplished, which was to actually question my entire existence, where I'm from, why I'm here, where I'm going. But that curiosity drove me to a understanding of a much deeper level of love, of curiosity, of um, expansion, uh, and not even having to make what I believed wrong or no longer relevant. Just be able to understand like, oh, there's, you know, be open to the idea that there's a lot more out there. And that, that to me has made all the difference in the quality of my life these last five, six years.
1: I love that you did that. And, you know, we go back, why aren't they teaching about money and why aren't they teaching about health? The answer is, is they don't want you to learn about it. That's the, I mean, it's the obvious answer, right? So why is it that we always talk about investment funds and all that, but no one ever (laughs) talks about a health fund? How come people don't have a fund for their supplements, for their diet, for for a coach, for an energy healer, for any of these Mm -hmm. things? No, I've never heard anybody say, I've got a health fund. Everybody should have a health fund because without your health, what do you have? Nothing.
0: Yeah, that's actually uh, very well said. It's funny, I used to, well, I went to Tony Robbins' uh, event about five years ago and he talks about your value system. Yeah, He has you number your most important values from one to 20, right? Values you're moving towards, values you're moving against. And on that list, he said that health used to be like number 20. And then it was number like 14. And as years went on, he goes, health is now number one. And, and he talks about this quite a bit. And the amount of effort and time that um, people, the people that are uh, getting the most out of life, the people that are having the most fulfilled lives, health is such an important part of that. You know, I had a guy flew into town yesterday. He wanted to shadow me. He flew in from Texas and it just met him um, in the first, thing, you know, and I said, look, like, I don't have a traditional work day. This is like, I'm not like a normal realtor. You're probably at the end of the day gonna be like what the hell does this guy even do but um it was funny because by the time he got there we met actually at the office of my nutritionist i had a half hour appointment that's every week so we did that and then um, went on a normal appointment and then two hours later i had an appointment with a, um, a place to, for recovery and so i'm getting acupuncture and i'm putting my legs in the like uh, the things that blow up and you know and then i'm getting like massaged out and I think he's just laughing. And then we went to the gym, right, with my trainer. And then I had an appointment with some friends for dinner. And and, and it was just funny. It was just like the, I could tell he was kind of like, this dude is definitely putting a lot of time and effort towards his health. And I, what happened is when this year started, I was about to turn 40, I said, I'm going to make health my number one priority. And so I started to prioritize doing these things daily, all these different things. And it's made a huge difference for how I look, how I feel, and everything else. And so it is funny though, because the average person would think, well, what a waste of time. Like I spent an hour literally laying on a massage chair and, and, and getting, you know, these different acupuncture, like I said, these different things done. And to the average person, if you didn't understand the value of, um, you know, of all that, you would think I was just, it was just a wasted couple hours.
1: I love it. Well, the the best investment you can make is in yourself and you're investing in yourself. And when you invest in yourself, you're making everyone else around you better, but Really, let's go back to that about the health, about money, about life in general. No one's going to save you. You have to do it yourself. You are the captain of your own ship. You can steer that ship and drive that ship. And if you don't like your ship... There's no one else to blame but you. You have to be accountable, you have to take control, and you have to be the one that decides, hey, I don't wanna I don't want to call this a goal because every time I call it a goal, I never make it. I'm gonna call it a commitment because when it's a commitment, I am committing to it and I'm going to make sure it happens. Like you with your 40th, you said, I'm gonna be committed and no matter what, nothing's gonna ever stop me. So I think one of the th- quick, easy l- lessons there is replace the word goals with commitment because yeah, when right. it's a commitment, You don't ever quit.
0: I don't remember who it was, but one of my buddies said, uh, he said, instead of saying the word goals, I have standards.
1: Yeah, I like that.
0: Yeah, you know, it's like there's just certain things I'm going to do a certain way, and Mm -hmm. I'm not going to do it. I like, you know, and again, it's the whole idea of a goal. Like, I just did 75 hard, but about day 65, I had a surgery, and I wasn't able to sweat for a week. I wasn't able to work out for Mm -hmm. a couple days. And uh, so I didn't technically finish it. I did not finish it. And um, I was, you know, the creator of 75 hard is Andy Frisella, And I happened to, towards the end of this, I actually got some FaceTime with him. I was doing a podcast, hanging out with him for a day. And I told him about this. And we talked about this concept, but the idea of like, you don't do a goal to just accomplish the thing. You do a goal for who you have to become to accomplish the thing. And that's the entire difference that essentially the reason you have goals is to become somebody. And so you have standards, you have commitments that you make, right? I think, you know, what you touched on is this idea that somebody's going to come and save you. And I can't think of a more disempowering thought. Mm -hmm. Yet you see all the media messaging, all the political messaging is we will save you. We got you. We'll protect you. You know, there's a, it used to be a joke that Ronald Reagan said, you know, the eight most dangerous words in the world are I'm here from the government. I'm here to help. And, uh, but that's kind of what like a lot of people it's like a lazy way to try to just outsource your health outsource oh you know what the government will take care of it like because it does take a lot of work to study this yourself it takes a lot of work to go wait am i willing to like actually spend hours and hours talking to people that you know not just what i'm hearing on the media but like actually talking to other people and and looking at this from a logistical standpoint and going wait why doesn't this all add up you know bradley bill the basketball player for the wizards he, he was interviewed yesterday and also there's uh, um, uh, Jonathan Isaac. He plays for the yeah. Magic. They both got interviewed the other day about the virus and uh, about getting the the vaccine. And it was funny because he articulated it so well. I don't know if you've seen the interview yet. Yes. Jonathan Isaac. I actually bought his jersey. I went yes. online. I bought him. like, I freaking love this guy. Um, but what I love about him is he basically just logist- he just he logically said, well, here's what's going on. He said, and Bradley Beal, you know, he said it too. He goes, look, he goes, you uh y- you guys are all vaccinated. You can still get it. Right. And then he like, but he just, when you actually make it a logical thing, it sounds so stupid to anybody that's paying attention. You're like, yeah, like why, why do we ignore natural immunity? Why are we ignoring um, holistic approaches? Right. I think, and I think people like me or people like you would, if they were like, hey, we're open to anything, like whatever works, if it helps, like, you know, you look at Israel, who's the highest vaccinated where your family's from, and they're, numbers are going through the roof of people getting sick. Then you look at India who turned to ivermectin and some of these other things and their cases have dropped to next to nothing. And you're like, unless we want to look at all the data, like rational people are going to look at this and go, I'm not going for it. Like, but if they actually said, Hey, we want all the approaches. Like all we want to do is get rid of this virus. We're open to anything. Yes. But that's not the message we're getting.
1: It's not. So back to the health thing again, you don't get what you wish for. You get what you work for. Mm at the end of the day, no one is, we said this again, but it's worth mentioning. no one's going to save you. And the reason I say this is because people want to know how do you create job security? Well, the government doesn't create job security. Unions don't create job security. Your family doesn't create job security. You create job security by being so good, they can't ignore you. The greatest way you can create job security in health and anything is being the person you need to be and not outsourcing it to somebody else. So this is all about personal responsibility all about accountability not about a vaccine's not going to save you you got to save your own health no one's Mm -hmm. going to save you
0: so what i mean you have 45 employees yeah you know i mean what happens ultimately if because i i so for example i have all these friends that are having issues right now between shipping clothing um i'm building a bunch of houses right now some airbnbs and they can't get anybody to work on them yes um and, you know, I read a quote is by one of the founding fathers, and it was something like, I believe in this country as far fo- as long as that doesn't, they don't um, kill their the value of work in the name of security or something like that. Sure. And it's like, so many people are falling for the lie of like, you know, what we don't have to build products, we don't have to have the supply chain, we don't have to have like every level of the country has to be working. Otherwise, everything starts to shut down. And I don't think we've seen any of the effects yet, but have you seen it in your business at all yet? Tremendously.
1: We are experiencing massive supply chain problems. Everybody is. Right now, <clears throat> the country is in turmoil. I mean, you look at inflation. It's everywhere. Just go to the grocery store and you can see it. Go to the gas station. See what, see what you're paying. I bought
0: Halloween decorations the other day. It was like $800. bucks. i am like, what the <laughs> hell just happened? <laughs> it felt irresponsible so again
1: it's a crazy world it's a crazy time but i mean with employees let's go back to what you're talking about employees i've got 45 employees our policy is we're pro freedom if you want to get the vaccine go ahead if you don't don't if you want to wear a mask wear a mask. That's a personal choice. It always should be about personal responsibility and doing what's best for the person.
0: Yeah, I love that. How, How have your employees reacted to kind of everything going on? They
1: love working for a company where they can make their own choices, not where they're mandated to do something. Yeah. That's what
0: you guys had some pretty strict lockdowns during the oh, yeah, COVID we, for startup in we, Michigan, right? We
1: did. There were some crazy lockdowns, and uh, it scared a lot of people in the beginning. But I think people started to catch on a little later. But there's still some lockdowns going on. Michigan's a very tough state, no question about it.
0: What uh, what are you guys dealing with right now?
1: forcing kids to wear masks in schools and things like that. The kids are the least susceptible. I mean, it's 99.9. Why are we even saying 99.9? Why don't you just say a hundred? Because in anything else, you'd say a hundred. So if I told you it's a hundred percent chance you're going to make money or a hundred percent chance you're going to win, you take that every time. So why are we worried about this? I'm not sure. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm pretty sure. I think
0: people's brains are broken, dude. When it's like, I don't even, I'm talking about it on the podcast. I, in person, I don't mean like having the conversation because nobody's mind's gonna get changed, right? No, like, no. think about how hard it is to change your own mind. Good it luck is. changing somebody else's. But, I think that like it, ha- we have to keep bringing it up because it's like there's so much messaging going the other direction yes. that I almost feel like it's a personal responsibility for me to bring up some of these things and just let people see like the ridiculousness of it. It is.
1: All. We need to teach people how to think, not what to think. The number one most washed body part in 2020 wasn't the hands, it was the brain. We need people to start thinking critically. Stop being programmed and watching the news, watching big tech, all of that. If you don't program your own mind, they will. So how do you
0: do, you do that so if somebody listening to that because i think most people that's again they just fall into lazy habits right sure. they go on social media they go turn on yeah. tv whatever yeah. and
1: so social media the first thing is is it's a good tool and it's good but oftentimes social media will make people antisocial. so i would the first thing i would tell people <laughs> is get off of social media only limit make a, a limit of that and start listening to the good podcast. Start spending time with people that you know are positive people. And, you know, you've heard the quote, you're the sum total of the five people you're around. I mean, that is so true, but it could be anybody. The people you're around might be the books you're reading.
0: Well, I, I, to get into that a little bit, I mean, because you're very good at that. I mean, here we are, right, sitting down together. You um, And what I teach people, because I used to get invited a lot to talk about networking and how to get around the right yeah. people. That's yeah. I believe I'm an expert in surrounding myself with the best 100%. people. 100 um, And what people don't understand is that the problem that people have is they're always trying to get something. They're trying to improve themselves or lives or whatever else. And so they can't help themselves. They try to get before they've given. And Gary Vaynerchuk talks about this. He's jab, jab, right hook, right? Like you have to give, give, give. And then you can finally ask for or receive. So like for example, in your case... Um, you caught my attention because like, literally I was like, what the heck? Like (laughs) who sends this? I didn't even know what it was. I I had no idea until like the third box. I didn't even find the letter. I didn't even know what it was about. And, but I was like, wow, like immediately I was like, oh, this is a guy that's doing this the way I would do it. Right. You created value first. And I think that's the most important thing that I tell people. I'll have people hit me up. Literally, it's a daily thing. Somebody wants to meet one of my friends. It's always to pitch them their product or they, hey, I have sure. something to be great for you guys. Or hey, like yesterday, you know, people we're doing this restaurant thing now where we're investing in a bunch of restaurants. And I've had five or six people in the last week hit me up and they're like, hey, we build out restaurants. We'd love to come build your restaurants. Or another person that's like, You know, like, hey, my whatever brother has a chain up and, you know, we'd be interested in seeing if you guys want to franchise our business. And it's like, they're just trying to get an opportunity. But I mean, none of these people have done anything to create a relationship first. And so I kind of just ignore it. I got my own life going. I got so many moving pieces. But the person that creates value first, now, if this person said, you know what? I'm going to go, let me go to your grand opening. Let me see what I can do to provide value. Let me buy my employees your food for the day and we'll share it on social media or even just comment on my posts. Like do something to create some kind of value first before you ask for something. Like, and most people can't get out of their own way on that.
1: Well, they always want something. You have to stop marketing, stop selling and start adding value. When you start doing that and don't ask for anything, you don't need to ask for anything. Exactly right. The, the, the most important thing... One of the most important lessons I learned a long time ago is that a a giver and a giver, they can get along really good. A taker and a taker, they can get along really good. But a giver and a taker, they never get along. If you want to get ahead and you want to meet the right people, you got to learn to be a giver because people love givers. Givers sleep good at night. Takers don't.
0: Yeah, well... what I've noticed is, if a taker comes into the scene and everybody else is a giver, they get exposed very quickly. Like it's, they get ran out so fast because yeah. they immediately start taking, and the other and the rest of the group, is just isn't going to go for it.
1: Yeah, so you always have to be coming from a. a- a way to add value, like you said. I mean, there's there's three ways I think that you can always make money. Number one is add value, add massive value. Number two is solve problems. The greatest entrepreneurs in the world didn't never, never set out to make money. Whether it was Elon Musk or Steve Jobs, they solve problems. Entrepreneurs solve problems. They don't make money. That's a misconception. Yeah. Oh, entrepreneurs made money? No, they solve problems.
0: Well, uh, and, no. And to your point, I was yesterday on the phone. There's a builder, like like I said, down in Saint George. I'm building these vacation rentals. And he's not getting them built. They were supposed to be finished by now. He hasn't even started on them. I mean, it's like a mess. And so I called him yesterday and I said, sir, I was like, what do we need to do to get these going? Like, mm-hmm. you've got our deposit money. I've got 150 grand tied up with you between these two units. Like, what do I need to do? What do we need to do? And he starts talking about all things going wrong. I said, hey, 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 you're still focused on the problem. I said, I'm a results guy I don't give a shit what's going wrong I agree things have gone wrong what do you need to happen right now what are the steps that you need to start building these units like what needs to happen and he gave me a couple things that he needs I said okay I can do about three or four of these can you do this and this He's like, yeah. I was like, great. Now we're focusing on the solution. I love it. We're quit focusing on the problem. Like that's what people do, though. They get caught in these negative loopholes, and you see it. You know, like you see it on social media. Like people just always focusing on the negative. They just focus on the wrong thing. It's like you can focus on the problem, but that doesn't help you. So it's like, yeah, the problem's there. That's a real problem. All the problem is is an opportunity to create a solution. It's an opportunity to gain something by fixing the problem. So. I just, anybody, whatever, you know, problem you have in your life, stop focusing on the problem. Be very clear what the problem is, then focus on solutions. like just And I was able to, like, shock his brain out of, like, focusing on the problem. And, like, I, I just was like, Jay, listen to me. What's the solution? Yes. Quit focusing on the yeah. problem.
1: Stop okay. fixing the blame and start fixing the problem. Right. And when you do that, if you want to make big money, you got to solve big problems. That's the only. Yeah, that's Exactly right. <laughs> when well, a- we as a,
0: the greatest mis- misconception of money and value and all those things in the world is like, you know, people want equal pay and they want, you know, equal outcome and all these yeah. different things. We are paid directly proportionate to the amount of value that we bring to the marketplace. Yes. That is a fact of life. If yes. you bring more value to the marketplace, you are paid more. If you're easily replaceable in the marketplace, you are paid paid less so the more you can up your skills and your ability to bring value to other people in the marketplace that's how much money you're going to have
1: there's no question about that and you're only going to have the amount of money you know how to keep
0: yeah that's another one yeah for sure (laughs) so you do a lot uh i mean teaching these lessons to your kids one thing i really enjoyed we you came out last winter and we went and and skied one day at deer valley which was just a blast yeah and uh, it was cool. I, uh, You know, you were very um, intentional about teaching your kids life lessons. I yes. caught that on, you know, on the ski lift and things like that. So, I mean, being a dad, obviously. And I think that's, you know, one of the things that I, I loved about you and that I love about all my friends. Frankly, they're all great dads. Like, my friends are amazing dads, all of them. And if they're not, it's, like, weird. Like, I, the guys, I, there's some guys in town that I, you know, I respect them. I respect their work ethic. But they're not great dads, and we don't have close relationships. I think for me the most important thing you can do for the country, for your community, for your family is to be a great dad.
1: Well, I love being a dad. I love being a husband. I just love taking care of my family because your family is everything, you know. Without good family, that's your background. That's how you were raised. I know you were raised the right way. That's how you are the way you are. My family, my mom and dad, they raised me the right way. Education always starts in the home. doesn't matter what school you go to because if your school life is great, but your education, your home life is bad, you're not going to have a good life. So that's why it's important to program your mind with the right thoughts, read the right things, be around the right people, listen to the right podcast, and do all these things because your brain is constantly being bombarded with shit all the time yeah. especially if you're on social media you're gonna let social media program what you think you can't and the problem with the younger generation they're trying to automate relationships and friendships you cannot automate relationships and friendships you have to go out there and earn them yeah. you have to earn things the best things in life are the things that you earn and it's the journey it's the struggle it's all the things that you talk about on your podcast if somebody said hey jimmy you want to go do a uh Let's if if I could hit a button, you could magically do uh, a double black diamond. There would be no reward. There would be no gratification in that. The struggle of learning how to do all the steps—that's what made life fulfilling, right?
0: Yeah, well, and it's you know I've talked about this before, but like when me and my friends climbed Mount Kilimanjaro you're only at the top for about a half an hour. <laughs> like, if the whole point is to get to the top, we could take a helicopter to the top.
1: Yeah, what good was that?
0: Right? I mean, the, the accomplishment wasn't going to the top of Mount Kilimanjaro. It was the struggle, the journey, the adventure of doing it. And I think that's a message I try to get out a lot through this podcast is like people say, like, enjoy the journey or, you know, like oh, the, it's not the destination, it's the journey along the way. It's true. But more than anything, it's finding joy in the struggle, like truly understanding that life is messy and loving that, right? Like, I had an experience pretty recently where I was going right in the middle of something, and in the moment, I was like, "This is awesome! I'm like growing right now." I was thoroughly entertained by the only re- the my own ridiculousness going on in that moment. But I was like, because I knew that it was like, "This is how we're going to grow." Um, it was funny coming into the year 2020 a year and a half ago. I had this really strong feeling. I didn't know coronavirus was going to hit. I didn't know what it was going to show up as. And frankly, I would have picked a lot of other ways to grow. But I said to some people, I said, I'm going to have a really hard year this year. Like, wow, why is that? I said, I just had the four greatest years. Like I just had a four-year run that was so fun, so rewarding. Everything went my way. And I said, but I think I'm ready to grow again. So I know it's going to be a really hard year. And they're like, oh, that's an interesting way to look at it. And I went into the year thinking that. And so when things started hitting the fan and things started going wrong and I had relationship issues with my girlfriend, I had, you know, some friend issues with a couple of guys that I had to work through. Uh, we had the coronavirus and I love to travel and play and get people together. Like everything that I love was being attacked, right? yes. And, but I, you know what? And it was like, I got to the end of the year and I was so grateful. I was like, man, I am a hundred percent better human today than I was before this year started. I grew.
1: But you put yourself in those situations and positions. Growth isn't automatic. You have to go out and earn it. You have to put yourself... In those uncomfortable positions, you have to get comfortable being uncomfortable. That's one of the mantras everybody's talking about, but it's so true. If you get lazy, you're going to get full, you're going to get fat, and you're going to get lazy. Complacency kills more than anything, right? That's why they say the underdog is a hungry dog, right? And what, guess what? Hungry dogs run faster, don't yeah. they?
0: Yeah, it's, you know, like being a sports fan, it's fun to watch which teams are hungry, right? Like I used to watch BYU and Utah. It was just the local rivalry here. And BYU used to always have more talent. I mean, always. They had all the bigger players. They had the faster players. They had the more athletic, the higher recruited players. And Utah, for about a 10 to 12-year stretch there in the early 90s to, you know, about 2003, Utah would still win half the games. And it was so frustrating. But you would see these Utah teams come out. And these guys were the guys that were overlooked. These were the guys that had a chip on their shoulder. And I remember almost being envious of the Utah players because they just cared so much more. I remember there was one year in particular, BYU had their quarterback ended up playing um, in the NFL. Both their running backs, one of their receivers, like half their offensive linemen. This team was stacked. It was, you know, John Beck's junior year, I think. And we were favored, I think BYU is favored by either 10 or 14 coming into the game. Utah had their backup quarterback, and BYU came out, and they would come out before each game, and they'd do this thing called the haka. You know, it's like a Polynesian yes. thing. And they do this, and they're doing the haka. And I remember one of Utah's players comes over, and he just – totally interrupts the hockey he's he's just yelling and he's getting intense and and the whole BYU team I mean this one guy like he disrupted the entire like the BYU thought they had this cool thing going and he just threw a freaking stick in it and in the spokes or whatever you want to say and next thing you know Utah came out and you could tell it's like oh this team they're not as talented they're not as quick they're not as but they had this chip and they ended up beating BYU winning that game and they had no business winning that game and I remember thinking like, man, like that sucks. And then Utah, for the last 10 years, they've beat BYU basically every time until this year. And what happened this year, I saw the exact opposite. Utah's team got complacent. They acted like it wasn't a big deal. They were like, oh, BYU, we beat them every time. And BYU's team came out. And you could see like, oh, these guys, this is different this year. And I think what happens, they knew they weren't playing for three more years. The coaches did not want to have to recruit against a team that had beat them 10 in a row. Like, I mean, it was just every, BYU was not as talented. BYU doesn't have as good of players now. They're not as athletic. But they had the chip on their shoulder. They had enough athletes. They went out and they actually beat they were them pretty hungry. good. They, so, were hungry. they were hungry. And so I, I love watching that in sports. I love seeing that, you know, and because it does matter so much to the outcome. And in life, it's the same way. I have buddies that, you know, that are still super hungry in their business. And it's like, man, I love, I'll invest my money with them all day. Then I have other buddies that have kind of got complacent. And I'm like, look, I would have invested you 10 years ago. I wouldn't give you my money now because you're in a different stage of life, right? And I think it's just important to, You know, make sure that you don't lose that hunger for whatever it is you're trying to do, whether that's being the best father you can be, being the best business person or whatever.
1: 100%. I mean, it's the foundation of everything. Once you start getting full, again, you get fat and you get lazy. To elaborate on that point a little more, it's all about attitude, right? What's the number one skill you can't teach? An attitude. You can't teach an attitude. We can teach you all these spreadsheets. We can teach you how to block or we can teach you all these things. But that attitude is the most important thing in your life. That's why they say become the most positive, enthusiastic person you know. And if you can do that, you're probably going to win.
0: Yeah, well, Jordan Belfort, his training, you know, the Wolf of Wall Street, I mean, love him or hate him, the guy knows how to sell. And uh, he has three rules. I'll look it up real quick so I don't botch it. But three rules to being great in sales. And um, one of them, I'll pull this up real quick, is is called The Straight Line of Success for Selling. And um, one of them is about enthusiasm. But it's so good. It's worth pulling up here. Hold on one second. So the three tenets of his entire thing, this is it. There's... um, the three tenets of straight line persuasion it says number one is develop rapport quickly you have like seconds uh right? to get rapport right um and then the second one is be be enthusiastic as hell mm-hmm. oh, i picked up the wrong website it's not giving me very good information here but anyway one of the two is is be enthusiastic as hell when i was a missionary i remember i'd go i mean you're going door to door for 10 hours a day
1: do you like steaks
0: <laughs> yeah, well, that's when I was going to go door to door selling steak, right? But when I was a missionary, I had this theory. I was like, because a lot of people in my mission, they, a lot of the missionaries struggle to get in the doors and, and to get people to listen. I could get people all day. I was teaching all day long. and um, And I had this theory. I said, people are bored. And so if I show up and I'm just enthusiastic, I just let them see that I'm excited about life. I know they'll listen to me. And so I tried it and that's what I would do. And to people all the time, like they would even say to me, they're like, I don't even, I can't understand you. Your Spanish is awful. <laughs> like I was literally couldn't understand. Half the words I was saying, they'd ask my companion to like repeat what I said, but they said, they'd say like, look, I just, you're so excited about what you're talking about. I needed to hear it. I don't even, I literally can't understand you, but I, I needed to see why you're so excited. And there's something about that. You know, people in life in general, a lot of people get bored and they want to be entertained. They want to, you know, like be around people that have a lot of things going on. And so, you know, be the kind of person that when you show up, people are happy you're there. People are excited that you've shown up, that you're, you know, you're enthusiastic and and you're just, you come with a good energy to you.
1: I love that. Every day I wake up, I say to myself, today I'm going to meet somebody new. And when I meet that somebody new, they're going to be better off for meeting me.
0: Yeah, that's great. So what are you, um, now that you've, you know, I mean, you're running your business life's going really well in so many ways. Yeah. Um, what keep, you know, you just wrote your new book. Yeah. What is it? You know what? Are, what is the most important message you're trying to get out to people at this point in your life, Elias?
1: So many things. I mean, gosh, the world is kind of like we've said in turmoil. I mean, the, the message I would say is is think for yourself. I think that's a very, very important message because there's so many people, as we said earlier, that are relying on all these other sources to think. And thinking is the least thing that's done in the world probably because it's one of the hardest things to do. And if people would just take the time to think for themselves educate themselves put in the work put in the darn work Mm -hmm. no nothing works until you do right nobody became successful without putting in the work there is no button you can hit an easy button you got to put in the work do the time and you'll get the results that you want but you have to put in the work everybody knows the path how many people walk the path everybody knows what to do but you have to go do it
0: Mm -hmm. i think the thing that the message that I like, I love to hear when I hear that is like, if people just knew how rewarding it is to work for something, like mm-hmm. the people that have worked for, like, you can, you know, even if you're not getting ahead financially necessarily, or like really getting to this huge place, there's a sense of accomplishment. There's a sense of pride. There's a sense of just knowing that you did a good day's work, that you're managing your life, that you're putting food on the table for your family or whatever that is. And I think, you know, that it's almost like people don't want to have to go through that but it's like that thing is actually a beautiful thing. It's not something to have to go through. It's something we get to enjoy is the feelings that you get when you know you've put in the work.
1: Yeah, it's what we talked about. It's the hard stuff. Yeah. It's, that's what you need to go through. That's what makes you stronger. And if you're made of the right stuff, the harder you fall, the higher you're gonna bounce. You're gonna bounce really high. You've had some heartaches in your life and you bounce back and it made you stronger. That's what life's about. We're all gonna encounter all of these problems. If you don't have problems, you're probably dead. Everybody has problems. It's how we deal with those problems. And if you know how to deal, if you can't deal with thousand dollar problems, you're never gonna be able to deal with million dollar problems. Yeah. So you have to change the mindset. It's always about mindset because I learned this a long time ago. I was in eighth grade. I'll tell you a quick story. I was in eighth grade and we were on the football team and I had a coach that I could not stand. His name was Coach Burns. I know he's probably around. I doubt he's listening. But he yelled at me every day, every single day. And he yelled at me and he say, what the mind can conceive, the body can achieve. And the mind is so powerful. We underestimate how powerful our mind is. We're talking to ourselves all day, every day. Those conversations we have, those are the most important conversations you'll ever have in your life. The, the conversation that happens between your ears, it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. It matters what you think. And if you're not having positive conversations with the person that's you, you're going to be going down the wrong path quickly.
0: No, I think that's awesome, man. It's reminded me of something. I, I've got this promo video that's coming out soon for my coaching program about to launch. And in it, um, in the promo video, one of the lines I wrote down as I was writing the script for this, it's, you're probably really worried right now about what's coming up next or what's, you know, what's happening in the world and all these different things. And I said, you can stop worrying about it because every issue that you're worried about today, if you put in this work, it's like for people that are, you know, doing the work and doing the program and these things, it's... When those problems actually come about, you you won't have to worry about it because your ability to overcome those issues, you laugh at how easy it is because the person that you will be then, it's not that the problem got easier, it's that your ability to got, get over it got so much better. So I think that's the importance of just constantly working on ourselves, constantly working on your skills, making yourself the asset we talked about, putting in the work. It's just a very cool feeling when you don't have to worry about, like, you know, you have the ability to go earn and, and to make something happen on your own. You're not dependent upon anybody else. I would be terrified if I was depending upon, I don't know, an employer or the government or somebody to take care of me. Yes. But I'm just not. I, I mean, I thrive in chaos. Because I you know <laughs>
1: what to do. <laughs> For you, sure. You can take the thousand richest people in the world, and give their money to the 1,000 poorest people in the world, within six months, 1,000 richest people will be back to where they were. Mm -hmm. Why? Because it's a mindset. It's a skill set. It's doing all the right things. And the people that really are successful in life, they don't care what other people think. The first day of happiness in your life is when you stop worrying about what other people think. It doesn't matter what other people think. It matters what you think.
0: Yeah, no, it's beautiful, man. Well, all these lessons, all these little one-liners are found in your books. If people want to get their hands on some of these, um, your different books and things you've written, Elias, yeah. what's the best way yeah, to Yeah, they can
1: go to my website, EliasAmash.com, E-L-I-A-S-A-M-A-S-H.com. That's the best way to find me.
0: Cool, and if they want to order some power tools and things like yeah, that, they can
1: go to gripontools.com. Any any kind of tools, hand tools, they go to gripontools.com.
0: I love it, man. Well, I appreciate you. Thanks for the friendship, and uh, I look forward to many, many more good times. And keep doing what you're doing.
1: Same here, Jimmy. Keep up the good work. Thank you, sir. Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening to the Jimmy Rex Show. Please let me know your thoughts on the show. What you liked, what you didn't like, what you thought of the guest. The feedback is extremely valuable to me and also what we're doing. Um, Also, if you haven't had a chance to get my new book yet, you end up where you're heading, The Hidden Dangers of Living a Safe Life. Please head to MrJimmyRex.com and you can get a copy there. Uh, Also, this episode is brought to you by Trillion Mortgage. Uh, Over at Trillion, Steve DeYoung is my go-to guy when it comes to all things related to mortgages. After being in the industry for 15 years, having sold nearly 2,500 homes, there's no one else I trust more than Steve and his team over at Trillion Mortgage. So thank you again for listening to the show. Please again, head to iTunes, leave a review, and subscribe so you don't miss our next episode.